I used to daydream about being old enough to go on dates. I had this image of myself holding hands with a really cute guy, driving along some pretty road. It's never about going anywhere, really. It's having some sort of freedom, I guess. <laughs> Okay. You awake? What are you doing? You're not gonna believe me, and I need you to remember what I'm saying. This thing, it's gonna follow you. This is the script, the official podcast of the NYC Screenwriters Collective. I'm David Negrin. I'm here with three other screenwriters tonight: Jordan Rosengarten, Christina Leith Malin, and Jeremy Engdahl Johnson. Tonight we analyze it follows. Written and directed by David Robert Mitchell, starring Maka Monroe. It's a nice, tight film, 100 minutes long. Estimated budget was like $2 million. Box Office Mojo says it's about $4.5 million so far. It just got a wide release a couple of days ago. As usual, we're going to analyze the film with a focus on story and use the Blake Snyder beat sheet as a rough format for our discussion. If you need an explanation of the Blake Snyder beat sheet, you can find one on our website. Welcome, guys. How are you? How you doing? What's going on? Hello. So we have uh, we have some special guests, uh, David. Some uh, some horror aficionados. Absolutely. Um, Christina uh, is a screenwriter in the collective for a, a long time now. How, how many years you've been coming to collective, Christina? I want to say like four or five. Yeah. And uh, Jeremy, Jeremy is our resident zombologist. Usually, he's zombie focused. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy, how did you, how did you decide to to stretch out into 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 classic horror as well? Well, I don't know if it's a decision. You're just kind of you know you're driven by what's scary and what's intriguing. So uh, you know, I, and um, make a Monroe doesn't hurt either. So this this one uh, this one worked pretty well for me. <laughs> All right. And, and Christina, you have quite a background with horror, is that right? Yeah, I actually went back to school for graduate work. And when we start picking specializations, I kind of went in the horror realm and was happy to see there was a lot of scholarship on it. And to date, have a published book on feminist horror. It's fantastic. Wow. I can't wait to hear some of your theories um, on It Follows. Yeah. And oh, don't boy. be afraid to get academic. And don't be afraid to get nasty. That's I may have to get black, too. Please, please do it. <laughs> Should we yeah, just you, start you, there? You got, I mean, come on, come on, Christina. Let's just start there. This is a pretty white th- movie. There's three, yeah, that three is white a- boys talking about It Follows, so we need, we need uh, your perspective. I'm chomping on the bit, at the bits on so many levels because I'm from Detroit. <laughs> oh! <laughs> yeah. Okay, just go. Wow. Just go, please. Wow. Yeah, like, let's we unleash jump in. You. Jump in. Like, um... We usually start out with, we're going to just go around general thoughts on the film. Christina, why don't you lead us this off? This is, like, it made me happy and sad that it, it took, like, your your indie horror and just reiterated the horrors of the inner city. Uh, so, for me, the, the talk, the whole talk about 8 Mile being the dividing line, which it is between Detroit and a lot of predominantly white suburbs, just hurt. It just hurt. So... On so many levels, this is a good. It was shot well. It was beautiful, but made me sad. Because it's true, or because it's not true. It's not true. It's an it's an old myth. Just like you you don't share Tic Tacs as a as a, a 
pregnancy control device. It's I've bullshit. heard of that. I've heard of that. That I've never heard of, actually. Believe I've used that in my relationships. And you probably got a couple of kids around. Oh, is that what happened? No, it's Detroit has has gone through it. We've been, you know, kind of in that tons of abandoned, and there's still tons of abandoned houses. Granted, but to, to like to bring it up and make it seem like oh we don't go past eight mile and oh poor tortured teens are trying to stay north of the border, but yeah, it isn't that's one of the the horror tropes though is like privileged white teens sinning and that's then, where slaughter, slashers came from and then paying for it right. Pretty much, hmm. I, I, but don't you think? Don't you think this movie? I mean, it it, it was really uh, tried very hard to be ambig- ambiguous about like when it was taking place. Yes, like, there's yes. things that are very modern. There's a Prius. There's like a very you know. There's some some modern looking cell phones. There's also some really weird fashion, like some straight up '80s stuff. Yes. So it's it's like. I mean, I can totally see them trying to manipulate us with all of the stereotypes about Detroit and building off of that, even if it's totally disconnected from how that city is now. That's such a great point, Jeremy, because I I thought the same thing. I was very – I liked how it didn't establish like it takes place now or it had a very 80s vibe to it. Um, You didn't see a lot of cell phones. You didn't see many cell phones. I don't even think I saw a cell phone, but you definitely saw modern cars, but just the whole feel of it was 1980s, so – I don't know if it was a comment on Detroit then, so maybe that's what they were getting at, or if it was because, you know, I agree with Christina. I mean, if you look at Detroit now, I have friends who live in Detroit. It's not it's not what it was even in the 80s, even in the 90s. It's a little bit different now. Um, so, so, but it could be that that was the, uh, the writer and director, the auteur here, saying, no, 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 I want to throw that in for, to give it a kind of retro feel of this you know, slum in this time, in this period. So very interesting. It could totally be. I mean, he's from Detroit, so it's, it's, I'm not hating like a, a random writer director goes to this town and, and knows nothing about it. He's from Detroit. It's mm-hmm. just, so you know. maybe it was a nostalgia thing or it was a nostalgia. He also, I read in an interview, he wrote this script in 2011. Um, and yep. he was working on another project for a while. Um, and it didn't happen, so maybe there's something there. What about, um, I mean, just this resurgence of Detroit as a location um, in films? I, I saw uh, this summer um, Only Lovers Left Alive. Christina, did you see that? Yes, I did. It was awesome. I thought still it was kind of bleak, Detroit, but it was still really awesome. Oh, yeah. It was like Detroit 4 in the morning, you know? Um <laughs> And uh, I thought, I but I thought it was beautiful. I mean, even going, I mean, I remember, you know, I still, I still get a little teary eyed think when I watched the opening to True Romance, right? Because it's like the uh, the nineties uh, you know, Detroit, nineties Detroit, uh, all industrial, um, you know, and the juxtaposition of like the factories and uh, the love story, it gets me, you know. Sure. I, I have to. What I will give it is this: if you do choose Detroit as a location for any genre movie, you do have you have grit. You have some great exteriors to work with. So for that, I do. I, I see it. It works really well. And yeah, there's no shortage of abandoned buildings and yeah. houses. Right. Uh, uh, Jeremy, general thoughts before we jump into the beat sheet. Well, I like. I liked the way that this was just a. It was a kind of a. A fairly simple horror conceit. Um, they had probably five to ten rules that kind of seemed to dictate the world. 
Uh, and we, I'm sure we're going to go through those. Um, but it was just clean, it was tight, and it, and it just kind of stuck to it. And it, it, it got scares through using those rules and this, this kind of constant looming presence of the, the thing that's following her. And it, I thought it was very effective in that regard. So, the follower. Yeah, I mean, I keep reading it I mean, being called the follower. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and it's like it is, it is spooky as can be. I mean, like the scene where we really, we really understand that this curse is actually there, where she's sitting in class, and you know, you, you kind of just see out of the back of your, you know, kind of over her shoulder that there's someone coming towards her, and you can't tell. It's like this old woman in a hospital gown or something, and it's it's a very vivid scene, and 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 we get we learn a lot there. We learn that that she can see it, but nobody else can. So if it's coming up behind her, the audience is the only one that knows. That's a nice device. I mean, that works really well. So there were a lot of things like that where, you know, just kind of the, the scares were just, um, you know, it, it wasn't pop-out stuff. It wasn't slicing people to bits. There wasn't a lot of blood and gore. Um, you know, it, it, was a, it was a different kind of thing. So I, I thought it was pretty effective as far as the way that it kind of set up that world. Awesome. I do want to get to, at some point before we get too structural, I do want to talk about... Um, uh, some of the visuals of the film, but Joe's, Jordan, why don't you give me uh, your uh, your general take on the on the film before we move forward? I think I know um, what this. Uh, well, first of all, let me just say, and I guess I'm just coming out with this. I'm not the biggest horror fan, um, but having said that, you're right in the head. Your your parents raised you well. Like you don't have ish deep rooted issues that you yeah. need to take out. That's the, fu- the funniest thing is, as I said, I'm not the biggest horror fan. I could just like almost see Jeremy and Christina's eyes just like staring me down. Um, <laughs> so I don't. You're about to get bitch slapped off yeah. your own podcast. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Um, Be gone. I, I like <laughs> oh, witchcraft! I knew it. I feel I knew like somebody's it. following Christina's me. Christina's bringing it. <laughs> um, no. So going in, obviously, I had that working against me, but. Having said that, what I liked about this film was that it took a lot of the common tropes. As of late, there, there is this, there is this um, element of of um, horror that is there for just uh, you know, let's show gore and let's just show jump scares and let's give very little character development, almost like a cash grab kind of thing. I, I would almost equate it to a Michael Bay action movie where it's very little substance, but you're getting a lot of explosions. In this case, a lot of gore. He takes that, and I feel like he tries to do the reverse, where we have... For me, this wasn't a scary movie at all. I didn't. I was not scared one bit. Um, I didn't feel any sort of tension. I didn't... Oh, you're such a strong man. You're I, so brave. No, no, no. I, I, get, I, get, I get scared of, like, watching Sesame Street. I, I, I'm really, I'm really <laughs> not. And I don't have kids. I just watch Sesame Street. Uh, <laughs> what? That's creepy. Um with this film, like you, you, you spend more time with these characters. You get to know them a little bit more than I would say your average horror film. So, like when something does happen, you're a little bit more concerned because it's not five minutes into the movie and this character that you don't even care about is dead, except for you know that that the intro girl who. Yeah. But that sets up the movie. That sets up what. Which is which is a great uh, teaser. Absolutely. Um, can but, I ask you yeah. guys real quick um, what? Uh, uh, subgenre of horror we'd put this into. Christina, what do you think? Subgenre. Well, though people probably would say feminist horror, or well, there's the ghost demon. That I read a lot of things like on Bloody Disgusting, uh, the ambiguity of it. You're not sure if it's a demon or a ghost. Right. Uh, so it could go either way. But the authors actually 
purposefully not telling you mm-hmm. what they, it is. They generally categorized it as supernatural, but you, I think you're right. You, if we, it, go, it goes to the monster, right? And it goes to what is um, the, the, the nature of the monster in this house. So we, we never get a real answer to that. Do we get an, an answer to the nature of the curse? It is a curse, right? I think the yeah, curse is very... Yeah, but what separates demon from ghost, though, guys? But, like, I don't even care about that. I mean, I guess that's the thing. It, it's... I, I, you, you're more you're more of a purist. Like, I just... Like, something's following her. I like that I don't know what it is. That seems kind of intriguing. It makes it spookier. Mm-hmm. Um, I would disagree. I would say that that was actually the one problem I had was that at some point during the movie, the rules, or at least as I thought I understood it, for this creature, whatever it is, that changes form... Um, it changes. Like w- my understanding was that you have to sleep with somebody, you pass on this ability to see it, and it follows you until it kills you, and then hunts the next person. Okay, fine. And if you haven't slept with that person, you're not affected by it. You don't. You don't see it. You don't feel it. That's what I understood. Um, but then that's there was a scene on a beach where um, her friend was trying to you know hit it, or and all of a sudden he gets knocked out and he gets hurt by this thing that. Uh, he wasn't even mm-hmm. supposed to see or feel, and I got—I was confused by that. I—I I, I th- I had thought that the rule was that only the people who sleep with the other person who sees this creature get affected by it. So I don't know. I mean, yes, the ambiguity adds to the, a little bit of the tension, but it was also—I don't know. I feel like well, I think you're confusing well, two things, like ambiguity of the monster versus the rules of the monster. Okay. Um, yeah, I there were plot holes. There's a couple. Yeah, sure. But yep. let's let's stick with that point for a minute because I, I think it, it's clear that one of the rules is that you that you can't see it, um, and and I mean there's that it's I think it's a pretty like at least from a structural standpoint and and looking at this thing in terms of setting up what the rules of this world are going to be and granted there's going to be exceptions there's some huge plot holes in this thing but uh, that scene where it's like okay you were having sex and then you got chloroformed by the guy you're having sex with and then you wake up like tied to a wheelchair and then you get delivered the rules that's a pretty intense setup. And he says a few things. What, what's his name? Hugh. Hugh. Uh, you know, yeah, I'm sorry. This thing is going to follow you. It's very slow, but it's not dumb. Whoever you are or wherever you are, it's walking towards you. And then she knows it's passed through sex. And she knows that you know, it's trying to kill her. And uh, I mean, it's, like, it's all kind of right there. That's a, that's a nice, concise way for a horror movie to set up, here's this thing. So I, I, I can appreciate that there's some desire for less ambiguity in what the thing is, but it, I think the nature of the curse is fairly clear. Well, you know what? To, if you had to lock it in, if I was going to, well, I probably will write about it. It's definitely a ghost, and I'll call it a ghost for a couple of reasons. If we think about the movie Ghost with Demi Moore and uh, Patrick Swayze. Swayze. Patrick Swayze. He could actually, when he focused as a ghost, move things and connect. Point two there was a lot of referencing to water and a lot of Asian horror uses uh, water and spirits. So, and the director kept saying that he kept subconsciously re- referencing horror he'd seen. I think he went for ghosts. I think the STD is a marketing ploy because it sounds really good to say sexually transmitted demon, but it was a ghost. Ooh, yeah. Okay. Where did you see sexually transmitted demon? Was that in marketing? I think it was IndieWire. I read about four uh, or five articles in a row. Boom, boom, boom. Okay, but you're saying like a, you're right. It's acting more like a ghost. I'll I'll say that uh, I read an article that said um, that uh, that uh, Mitchell 
reference George Romero and John Carpenter films for the visual aesthetic and compositions, but that doesn't necessarily mean um, he was doing uh, their story stuff, zombie or um, other. Right, because people are making connections between the thing and you know the fact that these this creature that it follows or ghost or whatever you want to call it was more like the thing and that it changes shape and becomes like. But but I think that's a, a bad comparison. Yeah, to me it, to me it acted I, initially. I thought it was a ghost. That's what it looked like. It kept yeah. a, or different ghosts, um, because you kept on seeing some sort of right. Which which ab? What are, what's the rule about the aberration that you see? Like the follower, the form that the follower takes place. Only the people can see it. But even at one point, we we when her hair stood up, we were privy to it being a ghost. Let's let's just. Put it, put it down that a demon is seen. It's not invisible. Demon knights, knight of the demons, you always see a demon. It's like a gargoyle. It's not a gargoyle, but it's, it's, it's viewable. Mm-hmm. Ghosts are not. And at the point when her hair stood up and the, the, her friend went flying, it was that kind of hit home that it was a ghost. Because well, us as the audience I- did not see the figure. We were al- almost having our own POV as if we were one of people on the beach that's fantastic i think um with that what do we have we have classic can can i just ask was i alone like to not be and i'm not trying to sound like a tough guy i just i was not scared and that doesn't mean i didn't like this film i i I actually did i I just wasn't scared by it it wasn't to me a a scary movie did anybody else have that feeling or am i alone here no you were totally you're on point even the director said it wasn't he wasn't going for your your make him scare every five times he was hoping there were maybe only two or three good scares but for the most part you were just supposed to feel the anxiety for right, right. throughout the whole film yeah he he talked about it as a, a creeping anxiety that built up um which is a different kind of tension that he's building um the 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 his only previous film uh, hey david it, before we go there before we go yeah. there on the scare point i i, I think it's um like I wasn't really all actually all that scared either, but I, like I I feel like it's one of those things where if you let yourself go with it, like it'd be a great like date movie as far as scary movies go because it's right there in that kind of middle market. Like I I, I feel like it's yeah it's not terrifying it's not the scariest thing I've ever seen uh, ever seen but it's something you think about later it kind of lodges in your head and I think it's effective in that regard. So it's a different kind of horror movie and that's why I think we're struggling to stick it in a genre right here because I think it leaves you in a different way than a lot of other movies. And why is it getting so much critical acclaim then? Because it's a crossover. Because it's like, it's, you know, you, you can... took it to Cannes. Yeah. And you <laughs> can, but you can, you, can, you can go home from it too is the other thing. And it's not, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I just think it's, it's tailored to a different kind of audience and that's mainly why I'm curious about it because it, it feels like a, some sort of hybrid. The yeah. director's previous film was called The Myth of the American Sleepover, the sleepover. and it was just just a coming-of-age film. And so I think there's a bit of that in this, too. Um, it's not just horror. I think there's a coming-of-age element to it. Yeah, I agree. What's, what's interesting, another point to make about this is that I was in the theater with a couple of other, other people who seemed to be like horror aficionados or people who like who I think were expecting a different kind of movie. They were like expecting like cheesy one-liners and like a girl to get killed every five seconds, and I think they were just let down because I came out actually really liking the movie, but I think they they just didn't see the horror movie that they thought they were going to see, and I think that was the writer director's point. He was trying to make it 
a little bit more of a I, I almost got like a like a um uh, a standby me feel with with all the kids together um trying to battle this thing it, it just it, it seemed like an like an 80s kind of Steven Spielberg movie at times in a weird way. I don't know if anyone else like, felt that way. Like Goonies or yeah, something? Yeah, exactly. Because, like I said, there were only two people in the entire movie. Yeah. Well, spoilers, but two people in the entire movie that died. Um, and you're with this crew of kids for a long time. You get to understand that one has a crush on our, on, our, on Jay. And, and you, understand, you start to understand the dynamics between them and, and the, tension, the sexual tension that's going on. And I, I find that a little bit more compelling and and fun and there's some there's some funny moments too that that also that also happen we'll get into. Um, I found that more compelling than any of the horror elements. I felt like that was just an excuse to make a movie about these characters, where usually the excuse is to have some characters to make a horror movie. I think he did the opposite, which to me worked. All right, I, I want to move us forward and do a little bit of uh, beat sheet stuff, um, and maybe we can just move it through it real quick. Yeah. Um, Opening image, closing image for It Follows. Anybody have uh, have that? It's that neighborhood in the house. I mean, she, it's, it's very, like, suburban and tranquil. And then she kind of does, doesn't she go outside and, like, She bursts out her her of her front door yeah. Yeah. in her underwear. Just like yeah, with, in high heels with, like, you know, jean shorts. Yes. Seemingly running for her life from something that we can't see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, how does that match up with a closing image, thematic closing image? Not necessarily the last image, but the closing. Well, it's got a great closing image. I mean, walking down the street, you know, hand in sidewalk. hand, the two lovers. You, 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 yeah, down the sidewalk, it, it looks like they've they've defeated this thing, and they're holding hands, and behind them, something's following them. I mean, that's uh, that that was a, a nice little uh, kind of false happy ending that they pulled on us. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, that that last image definitely. Is there a is there a metaphor for the follower? Like, you know, I think the STD thing is kind of a metaphor, but like, I don't know. It's like, uh, isn't the rule that if he kills you, he's gonna kill the person you got it from, and then eventually, yep. it, you know, he'll end up the follower, or he or she or it will kill everybody until. It'll work its way back. Yeah, and we we don't know the origin of it, do we? No. Yeah, it, well, that's another thing I actually liked. We're never given that like that 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 horrible scene where they sit down and tell that story of the first person who got the, it. Like they, that's that's a trope that you'll see in a lot of horror movies. I feel like yeah. you know uh, you know it happened on this date and this and this date when this guy. It's like we don't get any of that. It's like we don't know. Whatever. It's that. It's just here. Anybody um, get a theme stated? Uh, was a theme stated by a character? Wherever you are, it's walking toward you. I like that. That sounds deep. That sounds like um, you can't get away from your mistakes. You can't get away from your sins. Um, you can't forgive yourself. Christina, do you have a take? Well, no. I just I something I, the the best friend said. Have you thought about passing it on? And and that just. Yeah, I don't know. It resonated with me. That's mm. the theme of the second act. That's that's where. Uh, yeah. That's I mean that that's our pretty much the the point of the second act right there is that revela revelation that that's an option. Yep. Right. I mean, I'm trying to. It's very interesting. It it, it reminds me um, of the box. Did you guys see the box? 
Richard Kelly. Is it yes. think of the right movie? Did they do a remake with Cameron Diaz? That's that's yeah, that's the movie. That's what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think it was a an Asian film before that. But yeah. Ah, uh, okay. Well Richard Kelly is a fan of his from Donnie Darko. Um great but, movie. Which is great, yeah. But that was like uh, there was a uh, the conceit was you open the box, you get a wish, and uh, somebody you don't know dies. Um, but you don't find you, the the trick is that um, you 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 can you end up being somebody's uh, death wish down the line somewhere. So it's like the passing on of I don't know. It just keeps reminding me of that conceit as well. And that movie had sort of a similar dark, um, uh, seemingly uh, idyllic neighborhood, seemingly every happy, and it was set in a also in a in a time period that could have been retro. It's also a time and place where parents don't exist. Did you did you not notice that? Like there were there's not one parent. I was it's thinking that as well. <laughs> like. Where are the parents saying, where are you going? Or stop it. Yeah, I totally caught that. Yeah, I, I, I I, thought maybe I missed something where, that explained what happened to all the parents. Like maybe it was like a prequel to Children of the Corn or something. Children of the Corn? <laughs> but uh, no, no. Apparently that's not the case. Um, Except for the mom. She they came back half naked. But but I think that's a virtue, that it, that it doesn't have a lot of unnecessary characters. I mean, you've got, you've got Jay... You've got her sister Kelly. You've got Paul, her college friend. You've got Hugh, the you know seemingly the guy who's going to swoop in and save the day. You've got what's her name, like Yara, and then you have the thing following them. And that's pretty much it. So that's that's a that's how you make a movie that is 140 minutes right there. Yeah. No, I mean this is 100 minutes. Yeah. Sorry, uh, an hour and 40 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So so the. And that's what you want. I mean, and, 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 and horror is great with just teens. Like, that makes it, it feel that much, uh, them, that makes them feel that much more on their own and that, uh, that, that much more um, uh, vulnerable. Um, what's the yeah, setup? Yeah, but I don't think it was an original premise, though. Like, the first no. thing I thought of, and I talked to Jordan, uh, Teeth and The Woman were the first two movies that came to my head. Like, mm-hmm. trying to flip a script on an old premise, the woman, and then the aesthetic, the visual aesthetic was very much like teeth, but a, a grittier version, but very much like it. What are they flipping the script on, on in It Follows? Uh, the, the Friday the 13th myth. Well, not the myth of Friday the 13th per se, but that whole idea if you have sex, you do bad things, bad things will happen to you. That's the whole premise of the... Uh, Friday Thirteenth. All the camp, all the uh, camp counselors were right. having sex and smoking pot, and and they were bad. They were bad, and so the mother taught them a lesson. A physical mother, be it. But um, with this, it's the same same thing. Sex is bad. Sex mm-hmm. is bad. <laughs> there, there was a there was a shot that was almost almost shot for shot uh, like a scene that was in Nightmare on Elm Street. I don't know if you guys know which one I'm talking about. Which is in her classroom. And she looks out the window, and she sees that thing, you know, outside. And yeah. she goes into the she goes into the hallway of her school. And I actually kind of like that. But it, it, he was definitely there's no doubt he was inspired by those you know 1980 you know movies. Uh, That's Halloween, movies. right? Um. Oh, you know what? You're you're correct. I am definitely not the 
I'm not the horror connoisseur that you are, but uh, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Let's do the setup and the catalyst. Good old Hugh is the inciting yeah. incident. <laughs> the uh, the uh, the chloroform that old trick. <laughs> oh, yeah, boy. I mean, so even if you don't think this movie is scary, you'd have to agree that that was a very unsettling. That was a very unsettling way to begin a movie. Uh, yeah, no, def that was actually for me the the most terrifying part of the entire movie because that's something that could that could really happen. That's you know that felt real to me. I was like, oh shit, like what is this guy doing to this poor girl? And I started feeling really bad for her until you find out that he's trying to. Well, actually, he's not trying to do anything but pass on this horrible thing. So he's really an asshole. But but yeah, no, that was a very scary part where out of nowhere he just comes with that uh with that little uh little towel there. Yeah, I think we've redefined the douchebag move with this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, Christina, how is... I just feel like, though, you know what? I feel more so than just saying, calling him out as an inciting incident. I feel like Girl in the Yellow Dress was, because I think it had a slower, sweeter pace until he caught the first ghost that, like, ramped him up to kind of get just get it taken care of. Heaven forbid, had they not played that game, he might have started falling for her. He, this might have been a different movie about him not sure if he likes this girl and not wanting to give it to her. But the minute that he, as, as he was getting comfortable, that, that, that red, the yellow dress, I feel like his, his whole personality changed in that second. I was like, nope, that game on. Definitely going to do this. Hmm. He was much nicer before the yellow dress. So then, and you, by yellow dress, you mean when, when the follower comes in the, into the theater, right? Yep. Yeah, and, and I feel like that was that was a moment where they they um they didn't execute it very well because I didn't like fully comprehend the follower status. I don't know. It was like I don't know. It, but I, I can actually see that because that may have been when he made the decision. But it's somewhere in there. It's him deciding to pass it on to this poor innocent girl. Is there because uh, th we get some before the break in a two, we get some debate. Um when she's tied up, does that, you know, the conversation, does that count as debate when he's explaining everything? I don't know what Blake Snyder would call that. See, I, 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 I'm, I have a little problem with it, too, because how much of the rules does he know? He knows enough to tell her that he's, she's got to pass it on. But he's also aware that if she gets killed, it goes back to him. So, like, if I were him, I would have been like... I'm going to teach you how to be a warrior and mm -hmm. then I'm going to, because mm -hmm. I don't want, I would not pick a week. I probably would be like, I'm going to go get myself a girl from prison. <laughs> uh, she will right. run and she will fight and she will stay because I want a track star. <laughs> exactly. I would see that. I would want to see that movie. That actually sounds pretty cool. Yeah. But I would not pick a wimp. I would not pick a wimp at all. Because I would be like, okay, I only get a day to live because you're not going to make it. <laughs> you're not going to make it. That track star, I've got at least a week of living without any problems. This girl's hiding in the closet. She's dead. <laughs> exactly. Just, But that logic, what would you pick? A weak little wallflower or like a big butch from prison? God's yeah. honest truth. Who's going to last longer? Yeah, especially once you find out we realize you can fight the follower. But Christina, you have to sleep with the big butch prisoner. I mean, that's the problem. <laughs> do what you gotta do. <laughs> it ain't pretty, but you know, you got, you got, you got. Um, what about um, any really in, like extreme visual imagery? Good horror movies gotta gross us out or gotta do something really horrible. Like, did we have any good, really great extreme imagery in this film? 
One of the ghosts I remember, but she was peeing herself, correct? Like, like. Oh yeah. Do you remember that? While she was, yeah, while she was walking towards, yeah. To me, that was very. To me, that was one of the creepier moments. Where, and you know, because it was, it was like a close up. It was very tight on this, on this figure. Just, you know, you don't know where, if it was a ghost. It might have been the ghost of somebody who was just disfigured, disabled, whatever it is. But she's peeing all over the floor and just in yeah. such a violent way. And yeah, that was very scary. That was a very surreal kind of thing to look at any other imagery that stuck with you guys my favorite was uh as i think she's in the car and she's leaving the house and you kind of you, you know she's in the foreground and then in the background you can see the silhouette of the house and there's a naked man on the top of the Roof house man yeah, yeah. Uh. That, that was just like ugh. that that was, <laughs> it just watching what? nakedly like you know it was it was pretty effective <laughs> Christina. I kept looking really hard. Are we going to really see it? A frontal? <laughs> it was a little pervy like that. It's just a yeah, little yeah. out of focus, too, so you couldn't quite see. You just kind of knew what was going on. Yeah, so they could get he's, that MPAA. He's rocking out the 70s for yeah. sure. He's get definitely that MPAA. I, I would have loved if they figured out that it wasn't a ghost, that guy on the roof. He was just the gardener just hanging <laughs> just out. A guy. Just a yeah. guy. Just taking his, his lunch break. This has is a what movie I ever do. used? Uh, has a movie ever used uh, depth of field so effectively to avoid an MC17 <laughs> rating? Uh, you know what? And and of course, I read stuff, so I was like, oh yeah. But they liken that that first image of the the dead girl on the beach to Jaws, and that opening uh, scene with the girl on the class. you know, yeah. And I, that just the fact that you saw her foot and they pull back and you saw this like broken body. I was like, whoa. Oh. Christina, you mentioned uh, sorry, water. What left an impression and what made me say I would never take a little kid is um, the mother humping the son. I just that was you. That was a spook. yes, ew. right? But it was like a, a like a, a mom sexually assaulted. I'd like assault. to rip that out of my head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Freak hey, me out, Christina. Um, I have a question for you. You mentioned water earlier, and you just you just brought it up again. Um, did we we didn't talk about that yet. Like just no. The, like that, the opening scene, like she ends up like wanting her back to the to the the water, so you know, so she can face this thing down, and obviously she ends up dying there. We see that shortly thereafter. But then the third act, I know I'm jumping ahead structurally, David, mm -hmm. but um, the third act is the pool plan. I mean, it's like she's gonna sit in the pool, and they're gonna okay. use that as a tool to kind of try to lure the monster in and hopefully kill it slash electrocute it. Uh, I don't know that it's a good plan, but it, that that seems to be like a crucial part of this whole thing. And I had even written that down as one of the rules that we maybe see along the way. Although I, I don't totally understand that particular rule, I just know that water is important in protecting yourself against this thing. Yeah, I think the the writer, I think that was a subconscious level of the writer. I think he's familiar or has to have seen some uh, Asian horror uh, because he didn't do it. He didn't execute it well. Uh, in the sense that water plays in Asian horror with spirits, it's used to identify and trap spirits. So he he alluded to water with the beach in the beginning, but he didn't quite say why the beach was the destination for her or tie that in with right. the, the first young lady. And then we had water again with the pool and the director and and I think the bloody disgusting article says, well, you know, they, this this is my thought. It was a Scooby Doo plan that goes wrong, and I wanted to have a plan that went wrong, which is, you know, you electrocute something, you throw, you know, something that, with a live cord into water, but she's in the water, so that wasn't a smart plan. And I feel like the director didn't think that that out. He wanted the set piece. He could have done so much more if he had really 
gotten a little deeper into Asian mythology and it would have tied to other things because they also went to the beach, the lake house. Like there's three points where we're running to water and I don't think the director quite, he, he could have done so much more if he had kind of noticed that he was putting these elements together. Yeah, well, and I think That's, the idea that you, you would throw a lamp into a pool and it would like kill a monster, like, I, sorry, guys, you've shot exactly. the monster multiple times. That's not going to work. So yeah. he had a on his head. It was very Scooby-Doo. Come on. Yeah. Oh, man. But it, it in the end, it doesn't, right? It, it, it doesn't kill it. Nothing stops it. I mean, yeah. I think he was looking for a new device to show you that nothing stops it, but it was ridiculous. And then, okay, you, you push him in the water. Is it really feasible that... Would David, could I push you, put you in the water and, and go with this plan and you think you could get out in time and would you say okay to it? I'd say hell's no. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'll just stand so. in the water as bait for a ghost and you'll throw a bunch of electronics in. Hopefully I make it out in time. What? But, you know, the woman as bait is like a theme here, you know, yeah. um, over yeah. and over. And then also something else that was really uh, – some something uh, like a sexual metaphor is everybody's sort of offering to have sex with her so that to take on the the curse and you're like it's like oh okay i'll have sex with you for mm. you know for your good you know yeah i think there are scenes that are disturbing uh and, and you know it, it's not ultimately maybe a scary movie it's just kind of a disturbing movie mm -hmm. with a horror suspension of disbelief premise but like when she swims out and she sees the guys in the boat and she's maybe going to have sex with them and it's just it's like random guys in a boat you're going to have sex with like that is every father's worst nightmare like that that is a terrifying concept so I, like it's it's interesting like kind of i i think there's some psychological drama that's going on here and that they play out that even though it's not uh, viscerally scary it's scary in a different kind of way when you kind of just think about it and ponder what went on what is I our... also think. Go oh, ahead. I, I have this weird feeling like this. This will become a paranormal franchise in the sense that mm. you have one film that we kind of don't get, but there were some jumps and it got a little bit of acclaim, and then it took a fleshing out of two and three to develop real world, uh, real world uh, stakes and, uh, and deeper mythology and all exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like right now, he's left with a good place. There's, we're pretty sure this is definitely has a possibility of a franchise, but we just really don't have any solid rules. Like What's... I don't even really understand where the demon comes from. At one point, they said it's closest to you. So let's just say she did have sex with the three guys on the boat. Randomly, one of the old white guys shows up, but he would have still been out in the water, so he wouldn't have been as close to her, but he's close to her now just to scare her. Like the rules don't make the 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 monsters rules are very foggy let's let's uh <laughs> let's just let's just go with the follower stuff like the, it's just like let's let, let's just be scared by the by the uh the uh the urinating ghost and move forward right, right. what's our break in a two where does the the journey begin i i think it's when she uh she gets her uh, her crew together. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, she gets Paul, Kelly, and Jay. Yeah, you know, Jay gets Paul and Kelly together, and they're they're gonna like go for it, and they're they're gonna fight this thing. And and her friends are like, okay, you say you're being pursued by a ghost slash whatever we're calling it, and you're like, okay, let's let's help you out because we're friends. So I mean, are we saying when she breaks her arm? 
and and they all that in, right after that incident. Well, that's later. Like they've already mobilized. Like I, I feel like when they start running, I mean that's the whole point of the movie. Mm-hmm. It follows. Mm-hmm. They run. So it, you know, it's like when it follows, we run. That's what we do. And so when they start running, and and it happens pretty much when she's in in class and that that great scene that Jordan mentioned, and you know she's you know she notices the 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 thing coming towards her. Uh, it sets the whole thing up, and she goes off, and, and she runs off on her own, but her friends find her. So it's like they, there's a mobilization effort that takes place. Yeah, I, I like that. Assembling the team um, and then deciding to fight it. Uh, I just saw this last night, and I'm processing it. But the, up until the point, like they, they're all with her, but no one believes it yet, right? I thought it took the, the incident when she broke her arm with the woman peeing that they start to believe her, and that's when they take, give chase. They're all just hanging out because she's been raped at that point, no? Yeah, well, I think you're exactly right. That's a key point, because, and that's actually the midpoint of the movie, when she breaks her arm, and, the, and like, kind of that's the culmination of what ends up going down. But as far as uh, from a kind of a Blake Snyder structural standpoint, the, the idea, it, what matters is it's what Jay knows at that point, what Jay yeah. is doing. And so Jay assembles the crew, and she believes it, even though they doubt her. And I think that's a great thing to bring to the first part of the second act, is all that doubt. And her friends are just saying, hey, we, we care about you, and we're going to go with it, but this is crazy. And then when the broken arm happens, the stakes are raised. So you think the broken arms are midpoint? Um. Uh, it's 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 along those lines. I mean, it, it's when everybody galvanizes behind her. Uh, you know, it's either that or when she decides she's going to sleep with Greg, and she thinks Greg can handle anything. And it seems like Greg probably can handle anything. Uh, so you know, it's it's this plan that Christine already mentioned where we're gonna we're gonna go ahead and pass it on. What's our fun and games then, Jordan? What did you have? They go to that. Uh what is it exactly? Is it a, should, is it a rundown? Um, uh, you know, where they had the giant pool. What was that supposed to be? Like a shutdown school or something like that? Yeah, I think it was an abandoned pool. Yeah, and they're and they're kind of just. But it's clean and yeah, lit. And they're, they're putting yeah. all the hair dryers and things and weapons that they're trying to you know arrange for this for this beast, and they're hiding out and 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 waiting for it to come. Um, yeah. That's what I have. I, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like Rambo. You know, getting the team together, getting the weapons together, all that. Right, right. Or like it, it also, it also may have happened earlier too. I mean, because um, that's like that's that's building up into the third act at that point. But I, I, I think when when uh, Jay insists that she needs to get a gun, I mean, she's going to try to shoot the thing and see what happens. So I, I mean, she's experimenting, but there's, it, it's. It's a very strange second act, if you ask me, because it feels like we, we rush through the first act, she gets infected, and then it's like, you got to run, you got to go. And so she's just running. And the, the second act, which I, you know, a lot of times in a lot of movies is not the, the most interesting part of the movie. I mean, it is just going the whole time. I mean, it's a chase movie. Yeah. And so it's, it's a structurally weird thing. Like, I, I, I don't know, I, I haven't done the, I like plotted it in, in terms of, minutes into the movie but it feels to me like the the first and the third act are super short and the second act is long and intense Mm -hmm. anyone else have another shot at what the midpoint could be we got a lot of running as the fun and games yeah when when does the when does the uh jay start handing over the curse 
what point in the film? With the the next door neighbor is the first one, right? Greg. Yeah, yeah, Greg, right. And um, I, well, I'll. I'll just go ahead and say it. When 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 uh, when he when he gets attacked um, and he's dead, I I don't understand. I wasn't clear on the passage of time. Nobody had brought that up after that had happened. After after Greg. Um, no, they they mention a couple of days. Oh, which do they? Okay. Me go. That, that could yeah. My head then okay, fine. Then if they did, then that's then that's that. But um, but yes, yeah, so I because I, I felt I was like, well, it's a little strange. He's dead and no one's saying anything, but. But that was problematic too. How how with her when when she, within minutes of her or a couple of hours of her getting raped, we start to see the lady walking towards her as she's getting the rules to her. But then he has sex with her, and they're like, "Well, see, it's been a couple of days," and then they lead into his death. But they they made that reference, and I'm wondering, did that ghost just not have a map? What? <laughs> It's a little arbitrary. That's the, t- you know, when you go to It Follows school, you know, they give you a GPS. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. You need no cell phones. To- <laughs> he had a map. Yeah, the, the rules are you have to walk creepily and you can't talk. And, uh, yeah. and you can't no run. You have to walk because running, you'd get there way too fast. So yes. walk. <laughs> no, it's not, it's not called It Catches. It's It right. Follows. It follows, yes. <laughs> And, and doesn't, it doesn't catch very much. I mean, there's only <laughs> two bodies in this movie. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. Good point. Um, and, 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 oh, you know what a- I discovered, too? That's right. The red herring that never was. When we're going to the college to find the Hugh, the, the first boy, I remember them pulling up in the car, and you see this black woman in white in the distance walking. And at this point, I'm like, I'm a good audience member. I'm looking for everything that's walking. And mm-hmm. she's walking, walking. And then we cut to them inside the building asking, you know, who's the student. And I'm like, oh, they just red herring me. That wasn't the follower. And they get back in the car and she's there again. I'm like, it's not a red herring. You're being followed. I loved it. I was so happy. They caught, they so got happy. you. They got you. It right? was a red herring that never was. It was mm-hmm. the follower. Black woman done. in the distance. Beautifully done. Well played. So, how does it escalate in the second act? Bad guys close in. How is that the? Uh, what do you do? I think the whole breaking arm incident and and just kind of building up to that and her friends realizing this is real. It's not just one person who who thinks it's happening to them. It's this is actually happening. And then the whole Greg plan. And and he is so like I, I felt like he he it was nicely played. It's like it's a potential solution, uh, but it also jeopardizes the relationship between Paul and Jay, which we have not even talked about one time. Oh yeah, we skipped and, B story. <laughs> yeah, that's the B story, by the way. And the reason this movie works is that the A story is the curse, and the B story is Paul and Jay, and they keep like crossing in different ways. And with is it not Paul, Jay, and Greg? I think that's a love triangle. Well, here's the thing. I, I think Greg, like Greg definitely like getting him like her sleeping with Greg is the midpoint because it raises the stakes not just with her but also with Paul because he's so jealous and he's so upset about the whole thing. But Greg gets killed shortly thereafter. So 
I mean, he's not a. Uh, I don't. I mean, he may be a C story. He may be a D story. I think he's like a G story. No, no, no. He's part of the B. He's just a. He's just a distraction. No, they he's... had sex before the the demon sex because she said that she had had sex with him before to Paul. Like we had we had sex before. She's she kind of kind of set it as a sidebar, but she also said that Paul was her first kiss. So she had. A, an emotional or sexual connection to both of those boys. That was definitely a triad. But Paul was the guy. I mean, Paul is the B story for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But he's got antagonism in the B story. And, sure. Right? Yeah. So the, and he does not like Greg. So mid, midpoint, that's a nice midpoint because it and raises Greg, the Greg, The actor who plays Greg is, is cast as like the total douchebag, like popular dude. Um. And Paul is cast as, you know, uh, that, that kid's a good actor, um, uh, as, you know, like the boy next Gilchrist. door. Gilchrist. Yeah. So, yeah, so we're, we're rooting for the boy next door. Um, but everybody's getting laid in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> can, I, can I also mention uh, just something I noticed, that in this horror movie, unlike others I've seen, uh, the teenagers look like they're played by actual teens and not people in their 30s. <laughs> not bad, right? Yeah. I mean, they actually, which made it a little bit more terrifying. Well, that's, that, that's a trend. I mean, we don't we don't cast leading men in their thirties anymore. You know, they they want the teenage demographic. So yeah, but um, I don't know why you would I don't know why you would produce a uh, indie horror movie right now and have a name actor. Like exactly. I, yeah. I, I just like this was like I walked away thinking I've never seen this woman before, but she was great. And I was curious and like, you know, it's like they did a very good job of taking yeah, a bunch of people I'd never seen and making it into a believable cast. Right. And that's how you keep it, the budget at two million bucks. Yeah. <laughs> nice work. Sure. It's about- also not distracting. Angelina Jolie, you know, being a mother, it's just it's distracting to the whole film. Yeah, yeah. In the box, it, you had um, you had uh, Cameron Diaz in it, and you're like, uh, well, you know, I know you're a star. Yes. You're probably not going to kill you off. Or... Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, no. If you want, if you want us to believe that anybody could die, you know, make sure make sure that they're uh, they're nobodies. You know. Yeah, but also, um, I mean the. the... You know what, what worked. What worked in this film was that they, you know these actors weren't only nobodies, but they are. But as Jeremy was saying, they were actually pretty good. Like I walked out of the film saying, mm-hmm. you know, I, I thought the performances were really strong, and and I, yeah, especially Jay, like the the girl who plays Jay. I actually have her name right here. Micah. Uh, Micah. Yeah, yeah, she was phenomenal. I thought. I I thought she was really good. And hey, uh, don't get me started, Jordan. But she seems like I think she's a future star. Like I think like. Ten years from now, people are going to say uh, but, celebrity crush. Yeah, totally, total celebrity crush. But she was a uh, professional. It all depends on who her agent is. Well, she was a professional kiteboarder previously. She's just a uh, she's a phenom. So it's uh, it's a it's a good thing. And see, oh my you god, you know what I like? That's no, the, let me that, let that me go here. That is the best way to escape, and it's follower. Why didn't she get on a boat and start kiteboarding? <laughs> Yeah, you know the well, follower can't kiteboard. Kite to this movie, it would have been the greatest movie ever. It would have been Blue Crush meets <laughs> I don't know what. But it follows two, you know, yeah. <laughs> on the ocean, right? It follows you on a surfboard. Here's the thing, though, is I, I think that the way that they handled the character was good because it was, it was not super overly sexual. You know, she's always got 
you know appropriate cover and it, it and like when they broke her arm even though it was it was a symbolic act it also just tied into her vulnerability i never felt like oh this girl deserved it and right. it was it was the sort of thing where they made her very uh like understandable and vulnerable and believable yeah christina yeah can, but you can... know the setup here guys she has no superpower Neither of them have a superpower, so they're destined to be the first kills in the sequel as we go backwards. Interesting. Yeah, you're probably right about that. That's right. You kill off so that you can have a new um so that you can have an, a new star of the film, is that it? Mm-hmm. That was that's probably had like good three months of, of fear free and then all of a sudden and then he goes to the paper and he sees two teens killed. Yeah. Boom. That's your what's, uh What's our all is lost moment? I think it's when Greg is killed. Because I was just it, about to say that. Yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Christian. No, no, go. That's I'm. I'm same agreeing with you. Yeah. It's just. I mean, it's like that didn't work. <laughs> and I Oops. feel like the only reason it is is because of the fact that they say that he lasted for a couple of days. It wasn't like they had sex and he starts running right after he pulls out. It was, like, it was almost like they were looking at a Blake Snyder beat sheet oh, and trying man, to figure out is, how do we stretch this out for a little bit longer so that it will fit with the like the the structure. What are the rules? Is it is, you know? Is it like? Do they have a map? GPS? Yeah. What are the what are the sex rules? Like exactly? You know when when do you get the curse? You know? Is it? You know? Do you get the curse if it's just the tip or? <laughs> Oh come on! Man. <laughs> yeah. I had to say it. I had to say it. I mean, I think oh. David's getting a little too technical. I was here. wondering about a condom. If you wear a condom, do you Absolutely. get bypassed? I that is the important question. I think it is completely implied in this movie that it's all condomless sex, and that's the sin. We just armed them for their sequel. I can't believe we did that. Trojan's <laughs> going to sponsor it. Mm -hmm. We even gave them their opening scene. Oh, my gosh. Well, maybe if you right. wear a condom, you get followed by really non-spooky ghosts, you know? Yeah, you just like little... Trojan like, horses. Yes. Yeah, ankle-nipping Trojan horses. It sounds great. <laughs> yeah, all right. I'm going to write that. Perfect. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, this the sexually transmitted infection, like, this disease metaphor is just ridiculous at this point. It's no, like, but cause, truthfully... Because there are bad ones and there are good ones, you know, like... Uh, but I look at this way... Honestly, did anybody expect a successful sequel or even franchise to come out of Paranormal? I thought it was they were just going to keep recreating a new house. And the fact that they actually wrote with that story and developed it backwards impressed the heck out of me. Yeah. Dark well, when you make like 10 times as much as you spent, that makes a difference. So you can do some things at that point. Sure. Yeah, and that's that's if if this is the success that I think it it I mean everyone's talking about it. I I, I haven't checked the box office, but I would assume it's doing pretty well, especially if it's getting. It did four point five, uh, but it just got its wide release like uh, on the twenty seventh. Today's the thirty first. We're recording this, okay. so. Um, but it cost two million to make, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So and like it generally, it was fourth on the box office on a big weekend. Yeah. You know, so and, I, and and March has been you know there's no movies around right now. Right. Um, no let, horror either. What do we have a Dark Knight of the Soul after the Greg is lost? They have that moment. 
Mm. I think that's it. No, like her and Paul right. talking, something like that. That's where he steps up. Paul is, yeah, isn't that where he kind of, no, he, they don't decide to do it until later after the pool, right? But he does offer early on. He offers the same time as Greg. He's just turned down. Paul is down to do it any time he can. <laughs> Paul's like, <laughs> he's like, curse me, baby. Curse me three times. Oy vey. So, so, um, but the break into three is what? Where does our third act begin? It's the pool plan. It's, it's the whole idea that we're going to, we're going to do this thing. And, and it's kind of a lame plan. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I like, Okay. But they they set up a pretty good scene, and she's in her you know skivvies, and you know she's doing her thing, and and we're gonna have a bunch of lamps lined up on the on the side. Even though you you drop a lamp into a pool, what happens? Well, not much. You can't use the lamp anymore. That's it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what happens. <laughs> All right. Don't you get electrocuted? What? Yeah, what? but it's not. It's not. It's not like that. I mean, it's like if it's a bathtub, okay. If it's a pool, it's probably not going to do the thing. What? But you what? know what? We don't need. We don't need to talk about this. There are no electricians on the phone. Like, let's <laughs> just not even go that direction. Is, is, I'm just is, not going to bring a lamp to to the next pool outing. Now I know. Okay. Never bring lamps. Got it. Was this was this third act set piece? Was this like the. You're supposed to save your money for the third act set piece, so it, it looks expensive, and you go out on top, top. Was this, you know, an impressive set piece for the finale? No. I mean, impressive. <sighs> De- definitely, definitely not impressive. Uh, but the whole, the whole movie though is. Just- it just didn't set. There was nothing about. It looked. It visually could have been cooler. I just don't think it was written well. Did, I mean, what about was know. it was it a good use of Detroit for the finale? No, a good use of Detroit were a lot of the in the car scenes and the 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 house. That that's the gritty side of Detroit. Yeah, personified. Right. They they may they like might Beverly Hills Cop. Oh yeah. Do you think? Do you Same think houses. Axel Foley versus the follower? Please. Any black person would have been running <laughs> and running. <laughs> And this, is, well, this is this is this is this is the thing movie. They should have done more. With. I this mean, is, they should have done more with that. Like, it, it's just like they, it's Detroit. Like, I totally I, I have to admit, I like I I watched the movie and I was like, that was great, and I kind of understood that it was Midwest, but I don't feel like it was totally clear that it was Detroit. They could have done so much more with that theme and been more contemporary and more interesting and more telling with it. Can but I just they call just, it because I'm black? If she had actually <laughs> had sex with a black guy, uh, she it, it would have changed the whole dynamic. And oh. then if we just had a few minutes watching the, a black guy fend for himself, it would have it it would have changed the dynamic dynamics completely. It would have really been like a Detroit. I feel like I've never seen so much. White people and no black people in a Detroit movie ever. Yeah. It just yeah. What if we made Mike part of this like black? It, but like, it goes. Like, it goes. How about we have a black actress do this job. Like that would that yeah. would actually be more interesting. I mean, I I I think Micah Monroe is great and she did an amazing job and she did like everything you should do. But that would be a way to make it more interesting. 
Yeah, no, I mean this this whole thing is caught up on on you know the sin of 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 suburban white teens, right? Of privileged suburban white teens. Um, it could have gotten way grittier. It could have gotten more Detroit. There's not. There's certainly not enough people of color. Is there? Is there? Or a, her best friend or the Paul guy had have been a black guy, a black nerd. Yeah, yeah. a nerd. Yeah, totally, totally. Would have just changed it, and then she wasn't having sex with him. And then even go a little bit further that when she does have sex with him, she feels safe because he's going to hold it down. Like just flip a script. There was no black. There was no flip like that. Yeah. But you're claiming Detroit. And you're claiming Detroit. Well, there's a white guy from Detroit. And the funny thing is, they're not claiming Detroit. They're claiming Detroit, but they're staying in the burbs. They're staying in Royal Oak, but they're claiming it as a Detroit movie because everyone's like, ah, oh, Detroit. You're not saying Novi because nobody knows Novi, Michigan. Well, so, 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 Christina, you're calling out Royal Oak. You're saying that's not real. That's not real no, Detroit okay, so like eight Mile That is, is not eight Motown. No, Eight Mile really is. Uh, the streets in Detroit are the big, the big wide streets are like Eight Mile, Nine Mile, Ten Mile. But Eight Mile, Seven Mile, Six Mile, McNichols. Eight Mile is very important because it literally is what the writer referenced to. The, the young lady says how she her parents never, never, never let her go past Eight Mile because literally when you cross that road, there's it's black. Literally yeah. on the north side of that road, it's white. And you'll see that on the south part side of Eight Mile, it's all Detroit. But on the north side of Eight Mile, you have different townships. You have Royal Oak, Novi, Warren, all these little white townships that are on the north part of all Detroit. This is an enormous missed opportunity for this movie, right? <laughs> to go to, you know, they could have crossed the tracks, right, into scary Detroit and with and and and, and met, met met some black people, <laughs> like because the entire city is 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 uh, is African American, and now you have you know some you know real allies to help you with the follower. But that would have involved like divorcing it from the abstraction of trying to get it done. Like I, I understand why they did what they did, but I, I completely why? agree. Why would I adding mean, a black person make it not uh, capable of getting oh, it done with the same no, layout? No, they should have. They should have done a better job. I mean, that's my point. Is that mm -hmm. it, it could have been done in a way that was kind of embracing the situation, but. The problem is they shouldn't have set it in Detroit. They should have set it in somewhere else that that was like like not as volatile and, and didn't have like news changing every third or fourth day. Like that would have been a the much better way for them to that, tackle though. it. No, the couple of problems is Detroit and general Michigan, but Detroit you get great uh, tax breaks for filmmakers. After 9-11. Well, I'm, I'm not saying they shouldn't film it in Detroit. Number I'm just saying two, they shouldn't have There's more gritty real estate in Detroit than it is in the Burbs. In the Burbs, you have the I, same houses that you have in Illinois. There's much more of a gritty aesthetic in Detroit proper. He well, wanted my, to shoot there. He wanted the look. He wanted to claim it. But he, he put a bunch of white people in it. I'm calling it. No, it's that's yeah, obvious. And, and like, but the problem is that it's it's a political statement to shoot in Detroit, and so that's what this movie is turning into now is a political statement to shoot in Detroit, and that's fine. Like they can do that, but they did not necessarily do a representative job of doing that. So 
Like this is a complicated place. This is this is not any city in the United States. This is one of the most controversial like cities in the country, like Great. in terms of what's going on right now, right? Like so, they're they're not it, like if they wanted to make it a neutral, like like apolitical, they could have put it in like Toledo or like somewhere else. Like it could have been in Tennessee. I I don't know. It could have been in Texas. It could have been anywhere. But they put it in Detroit. So they tried to make a point out of the whole thing. Yeah. Yep. We're we're getting towards the end, guys. Um, finale, the final uh, final head to head was we already covered it. It's the pool scenario. We all feel. I guess there's kind of a consensus that it wasn't really um, believable, or um, it really could take out the follower, given the resilience of the follower up until that point. What about the rules? Did was there a rule that said this thing could be killed at all? Um, no, no. It, it's it's implied. I'm sorry, Jeremy. Go ahead. No, Jordan, roll with it. Um, I was gonna say it's implied that um, on the beach when when she shoots when she shoots it and like she you see blood coming out and like it, it looks injured. Uh, it's implied that okay maybe it can be wounded by um, outside forces. So that's the first time we we get a hint as to how vulnerable it is. Uh, but we're never we're never explicitly told that it could be killed. So again, that's a messy rule because uh, you're calling it a form if it can be shot, but but all it can be is slowed down. I, I don't know. I, I have a problem with that as well. I agree. Your your final thoughts, uh, Jordan. Let me let you go first. Um, okay. Uh, so can I just say real quick that when I saw this movie. Um, I saw it out on Long Island in this dodgy old fucking movie theater. I was the only one, other than two other like horror film fans, the speakers were rattling because the movie was not renovated since 1970. So every time a character spoke, it was just... <laughs> and there was nobody to complain to except the fucking popcorn guy. I was so upset, and, and may, that might be why I... Alright, write a Yelp review, buddy. Yeah, well, blah blah blah. You know, this is why like talented writers are going towards television because all this fucking time and energy wasted writing a feature and it gets shown on a shitty fucking. Sorry, I'm I'm ranting. Uh, this is ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, you got it, Jordan. You got it. Let's let's hear what you got to say though. Come on, man. Let's go. I, I, I was really upset. I I I was I was livid. Anyway, back to the movie. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's good. You know, it's you're a good. fan. Yeah, I liked it. Yeah, kids and having sex and. Getting killed. Wow. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's. Uh, <laughs> I I think this movie's strengths um, are that it, it strives to, it strives to do what not a lot of horror movies are doing right now, which is um, elevating the characters, and not really focusing so much on the, like I was saying before, on the jump scares, the gore, the torture porn, whatever it may be, the gimmicks to get you in the theater. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it's it's actually giving a shit about what's happening between the characters and I think that's the best thing it has going for it and for me when I sat in this movie walking out that was the thing I, I took was like wow I really felt for this girl especially the character of Jay not only how, how the girl who played her and how it was played but how it was written you just felt this sense of vulnerability that I feel like if it was in the hands of a less talented actress I wouldn't buy it but um, that whole scene where she's in that like wheelchair kind of thing tied up just her whole disembodied look, like how she just felt like out of place. I loved it. I, I, I thought that was a great scene. Um, so that's what I take from this. I, I think it, it, it tried to do um, it tried to do something differently 
uh, than a lot of other horror films. Now, another thing I will say is that what I would have done differently, and this is more of a directing standpoint, is that the score I was not a fan of. I, I feel like that was something that he was trying to say, oh, look, it's like the 1980s horror movies, and that's great if he was making a tongue-in-cheek kind of movie, but he was actually telling a very earnest story. Like, I feel like everything was very earnest. Uh, visually and uh, and sound-wise, it was all homage, so... I, I get that, but it would have... Besides, been more... you, you, don't, you don't know what it sounded like. You didn't have good speakers. Yeah, yeah, yeah whatever. But I, <laughs> I, I, I would have I I accepted that more if it was like a Robert Rodriguez, like, kind of like tongue-in-cheek kind of movie. It wasn't. It was an earnest movie that had, had homage to 1980s horror. Having said that, that's my only minor critique of the movie as a whole. Um, I and I enjoyed it, so that's uh, in summation. Thank you, sir. Yes. Jeremy. Jeremy. Uh, I I think that's fair, but I think it's a very well structured horror movie. It's uh, got very nicely and clearly articulated rules, and I I thought it was a great great film. So. Um, you know, I understand it's not the scariest thing you've ever seen, and it, I think it's it's great as a kind of middle of the line horror movie. So, um, but no, I'm 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 in good shape with it, and I would uh, disagree with the critics who think that it's not worth going to see. If any movie is worth eight to sixteen dollars, this is probably worth going to. So. That's my that's my take. Awesome, Christina. Um, I'm not impressed, but I will be impressed if they can build out the franchise. I'm not impressed for the simple fact that if you look at every single female, Jay, her sister, and Yara, they're all passive players. No one really owns or fights in a strong way. And it seems like they all leave it up to the men to make decisions and save the day. So I'm not a fan of that. What I will say I will be a fan of is if they can create a meaningful set of rules and world and build it. And also really work on diversity. I want to see the sequel open in Thailand with a, with patient zero or or person twenty back, realizing that he's being chased again. He's back. And no, I, no, not again. Yeah, that's. I love that idea. And I, I, I think at that point they need to take notes to build on diversity, flesh out things more, and then I'll be impressed. I think this hey, Chris, is a good start, but the, like I, I'm really disappointed in the way the women were treated here. Not, not also, not only that, I'm also disappointed in the follow female follows because the female follows were all disfigured and very kind of in a very yuck light and the one or two males we saw were just kind of straight out naked yeah, they weren't peeing that, they weren't missing teeth they yeah, didn't have sagging that's boobs. really interesting that yeah he, i mean in a horror movie you want the monster to be awful but then why didn't the the male follow uh uh, they followers. Just like men. They didn't have. They any were kind of they were creepy. They were gross. They were hey, Christina, I'm 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 curious. Why not have the sequel happen in Detroit? Why not fix all the problems about the way this film was made in Detroit? Like it's it's white bread and it's annoying. Like let, let, like why can't we just take care of that and have a, a more complicated and widespread thing. I mean, this like clearly, this ghost can go a lot of different directions. That's exactly <laughs> it. I have no problem with that, but it still needs to be built out better. 
You know, Agreed. I think I think it's the same problem with uh, kind of the purge. The purge happened, and it was a sleeper hit. Yeah, I did have Ethan. I Hawk, liked but it, it. Yeah, yeah. But then they realized there's something there, and they went for a sequel. But they were a little scattered, and it went to B level because they didn't execute a proper sequel. But they saw that that we wanted a sequel. Well, right. we want a sequel that we're not selling to to Netflix for for like cents on the dollar. We want a real sequel that can be made and like like put forward. And I like that's I have why to I reckon Paranormal Activity. You don't exactly. have to like it, but it's a strong follow up of a story. Exactly. That's and very and I think the hostels too. Uh, oh, the hostels are shit. <laughs> I love them. I love them. Like, let's not even talk about those. I love those are like awful, 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 awful movies. <laughs> like, let's not even talk about those. Exactly. So they, yeah, if they, they, they do a they, paranormal, they, I will be impressed. They've made me. They've made me queasy, man. Like that's how I I rate the horror based on you know how how my bad how bad my dreams are afterwards. So yeah, come on. And uh, this was a fun movie. This was fun horror. I like the retro. Um, um, I, w- I was interested in, in the, I, the way that they did this sort of anxiety horror where it's building. I mean, it's, you know, in Friday the 13th, as soon as the, the he's, you know, Fre- uh, uh, Jason starts chopping people's heads off, you know, it's over. Like, there's no time to take breaks and stuff. So that's interesting. But But I would really put it to all of you and anyone that listens to this podcast, if you haven't seen it, to see Teeth because it had a similar mm-hmm. visual aesthetic. It had a similar young lady, blonde ingenue with a, a huge problem, but she was empowered, and it was there was it was sexual as well. Has anyone seen it? I re- I know of it. Yeah, I've never seen it. See it, okay, and compare it to this, and you'll be like, ah, even right down to the visual aesthetic, very much similar to this. Interesting. But she's she her her dentata makes her empowered. It, imp- it actually, her, she has a superpower. It freaks her out, but then she realizes, this is my power. Right. It's my curse and my power. And it has that same kind of um, and, Kathleen and Jay, Turner, Jay, serial mom kind of feel. Jay is not able to convert her, her curse into a power. Exactly. And that's one of my biggest problems. Okay. Well, I think I think it's a good place to end it, guys. I want to thank you all for coming on tonight. Yay! Oh, Christina, fun. so happy to have you, Jeremy. Happy to have Very you good back. Times. This is uh, the script podcast produced by Jordan Rosengarten and David Negrin. You can email us, fan mail us, hate mail us, comments, questions, or proclamations to scriptfeed at gmail.com. Join our Facebook page or Google Plus page or by searching for NYC Screenwriters Collective. You can also follow us on Twitter at ScriptFeed. If you live in New York City, please sign up for one of our workshops at meetup.com under NYC Screenwriters Collective. Thanks very much. See you next time.